When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Yes, great to have your company on this Tuesday night. Plenty of footy news bumping around. Some more dockers are out the door. A premiership star who's set to play with Frio arrives in Perth. And Buddy Franklin, well, he's provided a big boost for the Sydney Swans in grand final week. Great to have your company. One double three eight eighty two. Mark Reddings and Adam Papalia taking you through until 8 o'clock tonight. They're just some of the news headlines thanks to Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Paps grand final week. And there's a bit happening, not just with Geelong and Sydney, but around the AFL with player movement. Uh, there certainly is, Skeet. Great to chat to you and uh, be part of the build-up to Grand Final Week. It's always a fantastic time of year and looking forward to Sydney and Geelong going at it on Saturday. But, yeah, player movement, uh, as we heard with John Nichols there, we know that there's been a bit of movement at the Docker. I guess it's not really a surprise, is it, the, the two names delisted today? Um, Joel Weston, who hasn't really had a, a good opportunity at it uh, in terms of playing games at senior level, only got a, a small taste, but he has been delisted today by Freeman medal and Connor Blakely who was um, a mainstay of the Frio team for a little while there but has found himself on the outer over the last couple of seasons and not able to get a regular game he was the sub a lot last year uh, but hasn't been able to sort of get near the the 22 this season and played a lot of footy at Peel instead can you see him getting another another go somewhere do you think he's he's up to it if he does get a crack at another team Connor Blakely yeah no no, I think no. it's. He, he, I mean, he may have had the chance a couple of years ago. Uh, look, I think he's. He would be a, a fine waffle player, and I just think the moment has passed for him as a midfielder. Uh, that's uh, not to say that he still can't play footy at a, a decent level, but I just, to be all honest, to be honest with, you, I just don't think he he will attract and hasn't attracted enough interest now to to warrant a chance at another club. But um, I might be proven wrong. But uh, look, the. the the other story about uh, Fremantle as well is uh, Darcy Tucker. We know North Melbourne has been nominated there. Um, Liam Henry's name continues to be linked uh, with a possible move. But Lloyd Meek is the one that uh, is very keen, by the sounds of it, to explore his trading options. Hawthorne firming as a possibility. The Giants uh, would be keen to look at him. The Demons have had an interest in him, but it's believed that Brody Grundy is... Uh, firmly in their sights, and not forgetting the West Coast Eagles, who would be, I suppose, well-placed, perhaps, to to put in a bid for Lloyd Meek, who at 24 years of age, uh, although contracted, has some real value. 
Yeah, it's it's for him. It's trying to find a place that he's going to get regular game time, isn't it? I mean, with Sean Darcy there and Rory Lobb in the team, it, it's been tough for him to to crack in and and get some regular playing time. But he he's more of that number one ruck, isn't he? Rather than that ruck forward, so he needs to be playing in the side where he's going to be getting more of that game time to increase his development, but also um, to to get those regular minutes in the side. Whereas Darcy at the moment certainly well in front of Lloyd Meek at free. So uh, you can understand him looking to explore a move and to head somewhere else. So, yeah, could be Hawthorne, um, West Coast, uh, Nick Natanui signed on for another couple of seasons. But if they sort of made the promise that he would start to take over from Nick Nat, then that could be an appealing option. But there's other clubs out there, as you mentioned, that uh, he could find a place to to play some more footy. I think if Luke Jackson comes to Frio, there, there's certainly no room for Lloyd Meek there to because he'd, he'd fall even further down the pecking order um, to stay at Fremantle. So I understand why he is trying to look somewhere else, but the Dockers would love to keep him if they can. Great segue from Meek to Luke Jackson, who arrived back in Perth today. Channel 10 cameras were there. So too was Steve Allen. And courtesy of 10 News, let's have a listen to Luke Jackson returning to Perth today to make his decision on his footballing future. Welcome home. How are you feeling ahead of the uh, trade period? No, fine. Yeah, good to be home. Um, and, yeah, not really thinking about it too much, to be honest. Yeah. Do you have a club of preference? No, no, no. Just heading home and, yeah, stoked to be home at the moment. But, no, none of that yet. No. Uh, the fact that you grew up supporting Frio, does that come into play in your decision? Uh, no, I don't reckon. No, I grew up supporting them, but, um, no, don't reckon it does, to be honest. And we'll you, see how it goes. Yeah, you confident? Uh, Melbourne will get a trade done. It had an excellent meeting a few days ago and it went all good, so um, nah, we'll see. Yeah. So you leave on pretty good terms? Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Good part, good both parties each way, so yeah. And I, I guess, how do you feel that plays out over the next few weeks? Well, I'll just leave up with my management and um, it's, what they, it's what they're there for, all that stuff, so yeah. There he is, Luke Jackson speaking to Steve Allen. Good get by Steve out there at Perth Airport. Uh, one double three eight eighty two. As we roll through our first hour, Luke Jackson back in Perth and uh, pretty comfortable with the way he left Melbourne on those terms. Uh, one of our hot topics, I think, worth discussing tonight as well, perhaps, is thanks to Darden Up Butchering Company, takes Darden Up Valley Spring Lamb. Uh, there are two that have bobbed up today in my uh, football investigations. Uh, uh, the Magic Round, which is being considered by the AFL, following the NRL proposal, and that essentially means getting all clubs in one state to play nine matches, for instance, over the course of a weekend. And WA, Roger Cook, the Tourism Minister, has said he's very keen to talk to the AFL about that. I think New South Wales, um, South Australia and maybe Queensland are the, the states that they're looking to, to push this into. Um, I remember writing for the West Australian a, a couple of years ago saying, this is a great idea. Can we make it happen in the AFL? They haven't followed my suggestion, but they've certainly looked at what the NRL <laughs> has done. And it, it's getting closer to fruition after a meeting of the CEOs over the past 24 hours. Yeah, well, it clearly would have been discussed in the broadcast rights negotiations behind the scenes, uh, given that has only just been signed, that this was a possibility, especially if you're going to add an extra round in. Uh, that might have just helped get a, a, a few more dollars in the kick when it came to the negotiations. <laughs> um, but if, if, if they're going to play 23 rounds, so for any footy supporters out there thinking, oh, well, we're going to lose out on a home game, that's not going to be the case. So it'll be a 23-round season, uh, not 22, and that one round would be all neutral 
games, even though if mm. it was played in WA um, and West Coast and Frio would play in WA, it wouldn't be a West Coast or Frio home game necessarily. So uh, everyone could just go and buy tickets for uh, whichever fixture they wanted. Uh, I guess the logistics around it would be the interesting thing. Queensland is clearly pretty well set up for it, given they've got um, Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast. They've got the Gabba. Uh, as well, even though that's going to be going under um, a fair few renovations. Uh, and then there's uh, they play footy up in Cairns too, so Queensland could have um, a fair few games going on. Uh, if it was to be here in Perth, though, Skeet, I'd love to throw this out to the listeners yeah. on one double three eight eighty two. Where should the games be played? How do you think uh, it would actually play out? And give us your pitch um, for, for where you think the game should be played. And I'm going to open this up to suburban clubs as well. If you reckon you've got some pretty good facilities at your club, um, give us your pitch as to why they should be going and playing at a, a smaller venue. If you've got, say, the Giants and the Gold Coast Suns going to play somewhere, uh, if you've got good chain rooms, if you've got the best pies about the place, one double three eight eighty two. How's this magic ground uh, round going to work and what grounds can we actually play at? Absolutely, uh, and I can tell you, having looked and worked through some of the options for the WAFL Grand Final, uh, people on social media, they are very passionate and sometimes uh, we think misplaced with their um, statements about grounds around <laughs> the state, but there's not too many metropolitan grounds that you would think uh, are up to AFL standard, not so much the surface, but with the facilities, and that's that's an issue which I think would have to be addressed through this process. But yes, do you want a magic round in WA? Do you think it could work? And the other question, uh, before I give you some, some breaking news to Tonight uh, in uh, the AFL Coaches Association Awards is the goals during the finals have normally been accompanied by music, perhaps, and the AFL has decided for the grand final uh, they are not going to pursue that because of... Well, there's going to be 100,000 fans there, and maybe they don't need the atmosphere. Maybe they don't need to follow the American <laughs> style. Are you a fan of the uh, tunes after a goal uh, in big games, as we see with Charlie Cameron playing a bit of John Denver, uh, Country Road? Uh, are you a fan of that in footy? I'm not actually that big a fan of the tunes before the game and at halftime either, uh, Skeet, to be honest, with the, uh, the the entertainment around the grand final. Yeah, it's great, and it might get a few extra eyeballs, and it makes it feel a little bit bigger, but I'm all about the footy. That's why I'm watching the game. That's why I'm tuning in. You don't need these um, bits of songs being played after a goal in any games, let alone uh, in the finals. The, the crowd noise and the atmosphere and just the feel of the game should be enough to get this through. So I think it's good on the AFL for, for listening to the people, listening to the feedback and scrapping that for the biggest game of the year. Yes, that uh, will qualify for our dig. Don't get blind and don't dig blind. Check before you dig every time. Uh, the dig tonight on Sports A one double three eight eighty two. And just going back to our news headlines, thanks to Polaris Australia's number one selling side by side brand. Uh, Collingwood coach Craig McRae has been awarded the Alan Jean Senior Coach of the Year at the Coaches Association Awards held tonight. And McRae was. Uh, the winner with 249 votes ahead of Sydney's John Longmire with 201 votes. Uh, Cats coach Chris Scott, 174, as uh, coach in that fourth position, which even though he's won the minor premiership, he might even win the premiership, he's not going to be coach of the year. That goes to Craig McRae. One double three eight eighty two. Give us your thoughts on the coaching situation, the magic round, music after goals. Uh, Mark Reddings, Adam Papalier taking you through until 8 o'clock tonight. One double three eight eighty two. It's 17 past 6. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot.
Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday night. Mark Reddings alongside Adam Papalia. One double three eight eighty two is our number. Some news headlines thanks to Polaris. Thank you, Australia, for making Polaris Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand 21 years in a row. Uh, later tonight, by the way, uh, the T20 one-day series between India and Australia begins 9.30 our time, all in the build-up to, of course, the T20 World Cup, perhaps. And a very honest question being asked here. I want an honest answer. Did you know this series was on? Uh, not until you told me. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. It doesn't feel like cricket season yet. Uh, and apologies to all those cricket fans out there. I know we've spoken a little bit about, I certainly have with Ollie over the last few weeks about the, um, the, the games we had against the Kiwis, but it just, it just feels a bit too early, doesn't it? Once, once the footy's finished, then we can switch into cricket mode, but, uh, it's not quite there yet for me. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, by the way, the NBL Blitz, the Wildcats in pretty good form. They've won two from two. They've got a day off today. They take on Melbourne United tomorrow night at 6pm Western Standard Time. But uh, they've had a, a good win over South East Melbourne Phoenix last night. So uh, after winning first up and then last night in pretty convincing fashion, uh, they head into Game 3 undefeated. And after 7 o'clock, we'll catch up with Cole Zunick from the Cats. Uh, let's head to the Lions. Lisa is in Ellerbrook, wants to talk about the magic round. Hi, Lise. Hi, Skeet. Hi, um, Paps. Um, did, you, did I just hear you say that Craig McRae got um, the Coach of the Year? Correct. Oh, fantastic. He bloody well deserved it, honestly, that guy. Um, yeah, the grounds. Um, there's, perhaps, as you would know, there's, there's some fantastic grounds down down the southwest. We've got Hands Over, we've got the Bunbury Footy Club, we've got Bustleton, yep. and even Donnybrook and Collie. You know, they're, they're all great um, venues. So, you know, the magic round could be, you know, could be played anywhere down there. How good would it be to take a, a few of these games to the, to the regions, Skeet? Uh, certainly Bunbury's a, a little bit bigger than Busso and a, a few of those other grounds down there, but they're definitely quite picturesque. I, 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 I don't think it'd actually be too difficult to, to get these games away. Uh, but it's, we'll need probably one or two other venues because I, I think mm. if you break it up, so you play a Thursday night game, a Friday night game and then two games each on Saturday and Sunday at Optus. So you've got six games away. Uh, so then it's only another three that you need to find venues for. So, um, the Wacker potentially, do you, do you think the Wacker would be up for? I know we played some waffle footy there. Yeah, look, absolutely. That's a possibility. I mean, look, as I said, I wrote something for the West a couple of years ago. I'm just looking back at the article here. It said, I said, a game each night on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, followed by two triple headers. This was all at Optus Stadium, only because yeah. I, there's this question mark still over a second venue. And I think you make a really pertinent point about where we're up against it compared to, say, New South Wales and Queensland, because uh, you've got Metricon, you've got the Gabba as two standout, and, of course, Cairns as, uh, as a third potential, although I presume they'd want the teams within an hour of each other or very close yeah. to each other. Uh, New South Wales, similarly, probably with, with the Giants Stadium and the SCG. So we're probably behind the eight ball on that front in terms of facilities. Despite the fact we've got the best facility, arguably in Australia, we don't have a backup option, and that's that's the issue at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, a triple header. Could we do it in, in one day? Well, I, I don't Possibly. see why. I mean, well, time, if you start the first one maybe. at midday, our time... Yeah. True. Into, into say 3.34 o'clock and then obviously a 7.30, 8 o'clock. I mean, it is getting late for the East. That's a for consideration. East, yeah. But it's, the length of our game is the only issue 
compared to NRL because, of course, two 40-minute halves, it's done and dusted in, in two hours maximum uh, rugby league matches, whereas with AFL, it's more sort of 240, maybe 245. That's that's the extra time that becomes a bit tricky, I suppose. So if you could play... You play all the big clubs at Optus. Optus. So you can get all the, the teams in. But some of the the smaller clubs um, that aren't going to have as many people going to the games, I think you could get away with them going to to some of the smaller venues. So you'd still be able to get a few in at the WACA, um, Leaderville Oval, potentially um, Arena Joondalup, where they've played a lot of pre-season games. Certainly Rushton Park would be fine. You know, if you're playing mm. the Kangaroos and um, the Giants or Gold Coast and Brisbane or you know, some of those smaller teams. It's only three other games that I think you need to actually True. find a find a home for. That's if you play Thursday through Sunday. If you play Wednesday, then it's only two other games potentially that you actually need to move yeah. around. So and if it's, you talk about, it's certainly doable. If you talk about, say, North Melbourne playing the Giants, for instance, providing the facilities up to scratch, you're not going to get more than 10,000 anyway, or 8,000 exactly. perhaps at one of those other venues. So, look, I think it's worth having a look at. As I said, um, Roger Cook has mentioned that he's going to have a chat with the AFL about it. Uh, why not? We've shown what we can do with the grand final. We've shown what we can do with the Dreamtime game. Uh, our facilities, though, in terms of a second facility, might be the only question. It is certainly a hot topic, thanks to Dardenup Butchering Company's Valley Spring Lamb, available at WA's best restaurants, hotels and cafes. And um, as I said, uh, it's it's one that, that will probably be lingering for a little while. Um, Training this week for Geelong and Sydney. Also, it's it's massive because there are a couple of players that there's going to be some heartache, isn't there, perhaps? And whether it's a Max Holmes at Geelong, Sam Reid at Sydney, or one of the players waiting in the wings to to come in, this is all part of Grand Final Week, which is the <laughs> the tough part. Yeah, thankfully there's no tribunal issues this week. Yes. Uh, and the big thing I was worried about in preliminary final week was concussion, because it would just feel a little mm. bit different if you were concussed in a prelim final. Uh, and you physically felt fine, but you had to serve the mandatory time and missed the grand final. It just doesn't quite seem the same as a, a hamstring or a calf that you can't actually play through. Uh, so I was kind of glad that there was no concussion issues out of the weekend. So that was, that was good. But Max Holmes is the big watch. So, sorry, Skeet. No, I was just say that that's where, and I think Carl and you and I are probably on the same boat here. That's why I quite like having the bye before the grand final because yeah. it gives Max Holmes, who deserves his place, it gives Sam Reed, and look, whether his injury is, is serious or not, irrespective, it gives them that opportunity to get up in a fortnight, doesn't it? It does, and you get that opportunity to have all those players out there that you definitely want playing. So I, I am with you. I, I don't mind the the buy before the grand final and, and give us a really good build up to it. Um, the 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 uh, the injury issues that they've got for this weekend. So Max Holmes, um, he looked okay at training yesterday. Surprisingly, when I saw him injured on last weekend, I thought he was no chance of getting up. But the Cats still seem pretty confident that he might be available to play. So he's the big concern for Geelong. And for Sydney, uh, McInerney has a, a sore foot and didn't train today, so he will be a, a watch and a wait and a see, but it seems to be only minor, so we should be okay to get up for that one. And, and Sam Reed's the bigger question mark with a, a groin strain and a ductor injury that he's going to be pushing hard to try to fight through. He's their second ruck uh, slash key forward and pretty important to their setup over the last um particularly the second half of the season where he's played some of his best footy, I think, Sam Reid, uh, whether they take the risk on pushing him through the, the game or they bring in someone like a, a McLean 
or Joel Amati to come in and play that role. Of course, um, with the uh, other ruckman, Peter Adams, who was their recruit for mm. this season, he's still out suspended after a bit of a brain fade in the VFL a few weeks ago with a, a pretty poor strike there. So he'll be pretty disappointed in himself that he's going to be missing the game this weekend. But there is still some selection headaches for both teams. Yes, uh, Tarswell Woden, I think, was the player that he might have collected, Laddam. So he misses out on the potential of playing in a grand final. Uh, an SMS uh, through from Chris, who I guess qualifies for the dig, don't dig blind, lodge a free dial uh, before you dig inquiry online every time. Uh, all matches in Magic Round in the NRL are played at Suncorp in Brisbane, of course. That's the whole point. It's a festival. So yeah. that, that is... That is the obvious way to do it at one venue. But as I was saying, the hard part with the AFL is because we have such longer matches, it makes it a little trickier. So that's where the second venue becomes. And, and as we said, it has to be, you know, somewhere in close proximity. But that, that is the festival style. So thank you, Chris, for that uh, SMS on, um, and 133882 is our, our phone line. But that is the, the essence of a, a festival, having it at one ground, which the logistics of it, uh, mind you, what we saw last night in London, if, if, we, if they can do that over there with the, the, what they had to deal with, uh, albeit, albeit they had some time to plan for it, uh, I'm sure we can get a magic round up in Perth. Yeah, well, you, you could play a day game on the Friday, depending on which Absolutely. round it is, I guess, as well, and play a double header there. Uh, but if, you know, if you're looking for that festival vibe, um, yeah, the Wacker would be the, the next most obvious mm. place because you could have that festival precinct and you can literally walk across the bridge to the other ground if you want to go and play a game there and just get them to overlap slightly and you can sort of pick and choose where you want to go. Absolutely. Uh, one double three eight eighty two. We're talking magic round. We're talking about the AFL Grand Final. Buddy, who th- said that he was going to retire before he moved to the Brisbane Lions or any other club. He's got a one-year deal. Give us your thoughts on the Budster going into his 10th season at the Swans. He'll be 36 soon and not far away. I think 11 goals from becoming the fourth highest in AFL goal-kicking history. One double three eight eighty two. It's 6.30 on this Tuesday night here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Thanks for joining us, Sports Day 26 before 7. Uh, AFL Coaches Awards tonight, Craig McRae from the Magpies taking out the top gong. Uh, the Assistant Coach of the Year from the Melbourne Footy Club. We've spoken to him a few times on Sports Day this year. Troy Chaplin, Murray Davis from the Brisbane Lions, second, James Kelly from the Cats, third, and Development Coach of the Year for what it's worth, Michael Godden of the Adelaide Crows, Joel Corey from the Fremantle Football Club, and uh, Scott Borlace from the Brisbane Lions. One double three eight eighty two is our number. And... Uh, Perhaps you've had a, a bit of a sighter. We talked. We don't. We've mentioned that the cricket's not really on the radar, but there's a, a pretty interesting rule that, or adjustment to a rule that you've uh, come across in the last few minutes. Yeah, the ICC are just uh, finalising the rule changes that they had. I think this has been mooted a, a little bit mm. uh, of late, but it's going to be official that uh, the mancad is going to be a legitimate thing to do, uh, legitimate to run out anybody that is backing up a little bit too far. Um, obviously, it's previously been um, not really in the spirit of cricket, I, I guess you would say, um, but I also reckon it's not quite in the spirit for batsmen to be backing up halfway down the pitch. <laughs> so I don't I actually don't mind it too much because it uh it you know helps the fielding team a little bit to to try and put some pressure on the batsman who get enough of a fair run in my opinion skeet. So yeah the the mancad dismissal is now going to be officially uh good to go and it, it'll be rolled out in the men's T20 World Cup will be the first time that it's actually allowed to happen. 
Yeah, I think the short-form cricket is where, obviously, it's more prevalent. Uh, test matches, very rarely would that be the case. But because players are trying to pinch singles left, right and centre, we've seen it, obviously, over in the, the T20 formats in India and occasionally here where bowlers give bat, batters warning. Uh, but, yeah, at the end of the day... Um, yeah, there's a, there's a feeling about it, isn't it? You're right, that, that the batsmen are trying to uh, sneak two or three metres down the pitch, then why should you give them that, that luxury? So, yeah, there's an argument that the bowlers are totally within their rights to uh, carry out that sort of behaviour. Uh, it remains to be seen uh, whether that will be... You still feel a bit guilty if you did decide <laughs> to make it. So would, would there, you'd still create controversy, wouldn't you? Even though it's within the rules, you'd still yeah. have that... Uh, the, the, the spotlight would be on you, wouldn't it? Especially if it's the last wicket that you need to take to, to try and win a match. I think that's when it would really sort of come into it. But it's, you know, it's becoming a bit more prevalent. And, and if teams start to try to do it, the batsmen will clearly have to start staying in their crease a, a little bit more. But the, yeah, there won't have to be a, a warning anymore. It'll just purely be, uh, it'll be classed as a run out if it actually does happen and, and bowlers start to do it. So it'll be interesting to see if they start to either fake starting to do it to get in the batsman's <laughs> head to just get them to start um, getting back in their crease a little bit more because they're going to have to be a little bit more wary. Uh, and the, the one of the other rules is um, previously if uh, a catch was taken and the batters crossed uh, when the, before the catch was taken that um, the, the the now the new batter has to go to the uh, to the striker's end. It can't go to the non-striker's end. So it doesn't matter if the batsman cross anymore when a catch is taken. Okay, the Mancad rule, one of those that could be classified as the hot topic, thanks to Dardanup Butchering Company, Taste Dardanup Valley Spring Lamb tonight. Uh, we'll jump into the injury update for SKG Radiology, care about your welfare, now bulk billing. Uh, Sydney Swans, pretty obvious there, Sam Reid is a test for the grand final, a ductor issue. He looked fairly disconsolate after the match uh, at the SCG on Saturday. We know that um, McInerney missed training uh, on Tuesday, that's today, but he will train on Thursday, so not expected to be any issues there. And, of course, the big watch at the Cats is Max Holmes, who has that uh, neural awareness. First time I've heard it called neural awareness, but I'm sure it's a, <laughs> it's a medical terminology. Uh, perhaps uh, Will Schofield explain it to me, but essentially to me it looks like a hamstring. Yes, back-related, uh, spine-related, brain-related. I'm not sure exactly what it means, but uh, neural-related hamstring injury basically means he's not completely done his hamstring, but it's some sort of referred pain, and uh, it's quite sore. But uh, it, it looked like he was moving okay mm. uh, yeah, yesterday. But, but, so. but surely on, on Thursday or Friday, whenever they have to their main session, you're going to have to see... Something quite special from him, I think. Full speed, uh, turning, yeah. stopping, uh, and bear in mind there have been some great cases or famous cases of of players on grand final eve or the day before uh, going through some rigorous testing. I mean, Alan Richardson before the 1990 grand final for Collingwood, uh, Michael Malthouse going back for Richmond, uh, Francis Burke famously tested out his uh, his collarbone, his shoulder, and uh, that didn't. Uh, quite work out too well either. So there's there's going to be tests done, and the hamstring obviously is one. Uh, the last thing you want is to to go into a, a grand final and need your medi sub in the first five or ten minutes. Anyway, uh, uh, let's yeah. go to the phones. One double three eight eighty two. Jerry is in Westminster. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, good day, boys. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Craig McCraig, too. Uh, great effort. Um, yep. Look, I just want to get clarification about this new cricket rule that you're talking about, the mancad. How will it officially go down in the scorebook as how out? Will it be mancad out or will it be run out? No, it'll just be run out. Yeah, that's the change okay. they're making. So no mancad, okay. it'll purely be a legitimate run out. Okay, thanks, boys. Go on, Jerry. 
Yes, um, we know that Ravi Ashwin's mancads are marked down as dismissal uh, as such. So, uh, run out. Yes, that's the, the, the term moving forward, which uh, hopefully we, well, hope we don't see too much of it, but certainly in short-form cricket, it has become uh, a bit of the norm. Uh, what are you looking forward to, Pat's grand final week? We know that Friday is going to be a bit unusual in Melbourne. You and I will both be there, but the, the grand final parade, how's this going to look <laughs> this year? Uh, very different. Uh, you're talking about players going through tests and grand final. You sort of think back to um, Jeremy McGovern and mm. uh, he was doing a test and then he almost missed the parade because he was sore and getting some treatment. Um, imagine if he'd had to go and sit on a barge and go down the Yarra River uh, with those sore ribs that he had uh, or if there's a player that's still just battling a little bit of injury. So that's what's going to be happening. It's going to happen a little bit earlier, I understand, on Friday as well than what we sort of normally are used to. It used to be sort of a midday start uh, in Melbourne, but it might be even earlier than that when they start to get on the boats, more sort of like a 10 o'clock start in Melbourne. So it'll be like 8am over here that we'll start to see some of those pictures coming back uh, on Friday. But yeah, the players are going to hop on a a boat, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like, but they're going to be going down the Yarra so people can kind of line the banks and see the players go past and then they'll be hopping off the boats and then getting back into the old... Um, uh, utes like they have done in the past and then that will take them up to the grand final precinct at the MCG uh, for the official sort of presentation in front of the crowd there but it, it's definitely going to look different to what it has I mean we haven't had a grand final in Melbourne since 2019 so they're definitely doing things a bit differently I think uh, our good mate Basil Zemplis is taking credit for this idea because he uh, all pun intended floated it last year mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with it happening up the Swan River before the, uh, the grand final here because we didn't even have a, a parade in the end it was all done a little bit differently so yeah it's (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see if the weather is terrible it's going to be an interesting sight i reckon seeing these players going up the yarrow river well the forecast isn't great for friday in melbourne uh so that's one thing and saturday (laughs) probably a little bit better and the other thing is uh, as good as bad as his idea was i mean the swan river its width and whatever is probably not conducive as as it is to South Bank and of course you've got the restaurants on either side and, and the, the Flinders train station all there so it's probably more conducive to Melbourne but uh, I was just off the top of my head, it's got anything to do with COVID because if they're jumping in the cars <laughs> I'm just quite quite confused as to why this has become an issue uh, anyway and, and by the way the entertainment perhaps I know you're big on this uh, we've talked about <laughs> goals and music uh, coinciding uh, on grand final day which won't happen the AFL shut that down but uh, Robbie Williams is going to have a surprise, a surprise guest with him reportedly well, on the day, and there's uh, some hot mail about that as well. I can confirm with you right here, Skeet, that tomorrow there is a press conference happening, and mm-hmm. Robbie Williams is going to be there, and so is Kylie. Yes, we thought that was going to be the case. Kylie, uh, uh, Kylie and Rod- Robbie. Kylie Rod- no, Kylie Rogers, the AFL oh, so really? oh, general so- manager. <laughs> you, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the AFL executive general manager, Kylie Rogers, will be oh. doing a press conference with Robbie Williams tomorrow. You were taking the mickey out of me, were you? I am taking the mickey out of you. And Ky- but Kylie Minogue is the... Uh, person that is rumoured to be performing with Robbie Williams on Saturday, but they'll be trying to keep that under wraps as a bit of a surprise. As as but Gil McLaughlin let it slip today that there was uh, there was going to be a bit of a surprise come Saturday. So uh, we think that that is what is happening.
Yes, uh, doing it for the kids maybe on grand final day. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> Robbie and Kylie, uh, it's going to be a great day. And, uh, of course, Mike Brady is the staple diet. He'll be singing, of course, the famous tunes uh, one day in September up there, Kazali. So it's uh, Geelong, Sydney. You'll hear it all, of course, on 882 6BR. And just uh, reiterating the injury concerns for both clubs, Sydney, Sam Reed, Geelong, Max Holmes. That's our injury update for SKG Radiology. Care about your welfare and are now bulk billing Medicare rebatable services across all 20 locations. It's a quarter to Seven. Mark Reddings, Adam Papalia, Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to the show. One double three eight eighty two is our open line number. Plenty of hot topics to get through. Thanks to Dardner Butchering Company's Valley Spring Lamb, available at WA's best restaurants, hotels, and cafes. And perhaps we spoke about it briefly at the top of the show, but the Fremantle Dockers, despite a really good season, winning a final, heading across to the MCG, knocked out by the Magpies, there's been an exodus of sort, trying to work out the whys and wherefores, but perhaps that is just the modern game. And we know that Lobb and Logue and Tucker uh, amongst those to to seek uh, an exit. And we think in the short term, Lloyd Meek might be joining them. Blake Aker's out the door as well. There's a, a bit of an adjustment when you, you look at those players that are, are heading out. It certainly is, but I think Fremantle had the depth to cover most of those players. They've got still a, a few younger guys on their list that haven't had that opportunity and probably can step up. So when you look, you know, Jai Amos, who's ready to, to take on more of a role given how well he performed through the finals, uh, Rasmus, who's played pretty well at the wall, in the waffle mm-hmm. at times and, and hasn't got the, the opportunity. We're still waiting to see, um, what Matthew Johnson, uh, has as well. Uh, so I, I think Fremantle have got some depth to cover those players. And I guess you wouldn't say, except for maybe Blake Akers, who's certainly in the best 22 each week and, and Griffin Logue, the, the rest of them are, are guys that have sort of struggled to get a game. So as much as there's a lot of players leaving, it's not kind of that core group for Fremantle um, that most of them are leaving because they're trying to chase some more opportunity elsewhere or p- perhaps a, a bigger or better contract because they have played well Griffin Logue leaving certainly a blow because of his versatility but if Jai Amos was playing in the side and playing well does Griffin Logue stay in that team? I think Griffin Logue is ideally a defender but while they're healthy and fit the Fremantle Dockers can't find a spot for him, which is no. not going to be the case, obviously, at North Melbourne, where Alistair Clarkson will have him as a lockdown defender. And look, he won't be the most fashionable. He won't be the, the classiest uh, backman in the competition. But I think he could put his magnet on the board week in, week out, and knowing he'll uh, he'll give you what you've drafted. And that's a, a pretty honest, uh, reliable shutdown defender. And it's more, it's more these days that we see that player movement happening, isn't it? You know, free agencies creates a, a, a fair bit of change. Um, but players are just more open to moving now because if they can get a better deal somewhere else and, and get uh, a bump in their pay packet and a, a longer, more secure deal elsewhere, I think, you know, most people in most workplaces would be looking at that if uh, other clubs are, are trying to get you across the line. I think location, uh, less and less. Uh, has a, a part to it um, if you can get similar money to, to go somewhere else um, or if you get the right money to live where you want to live, you can do that too. But it's the, the player movement that we're going to see in this trade period is going to be pretty huge compared to, to previous seasons, I think. And, and you're seeing those bit part players move around a, a little bit more. 
Yeah, one surprise, maybe two surprises, depending on uh, your thoughts. Uh, Phil Davis will go around for one more season, his 15th year, after signing a one-year contract with the Giants. So he's staying where he is, despite some injuries in the back half of his career particularly. And Dyson Heppel, the captain of Essendon, a one-year contract. There was a lot of talk, and so that really means he'll be a, a bomber for life. A lot of talk that he's going to finish up his career up north in Queensland and, and take on a maybe an assistant coaching role moving forward. But he's going to finish his time at the Bombers. But there's still one piece of the puzzle, perhaps, and that is the senior coach. I don't think Essendon could afford to have their captain walk out right now, could they? <laughs> they had to convince mm. him to stay and play on for another year just because of the look of everything that's been happening at the Bombers of late. Uh, yeah, the coach still up in the air. No one seems to really strongly be putting their hand up for that job. Um, they're starting to do a few, except for James Hurd, of course, whose <laughs> name continues to grow. I still can't see that happening. Brad Scott's the other one that whose name's sort of come up a, a little bit more recently. He's been working at the AFL you know, on the, the look of the game and the rules of the game and, and, and how the game's run, but he could step back into coaching if he has that itch to, to do just that and, and take on the job at the Bombers, which right now looks like a pretty big one. Yeah, I, I tend to disagree with you on the James Hurd. I, I get the feeling he has put his hand up and being interviewed because he thinks he's a real chance. I mean, I, I get the feeling he's been told, you are up to this to your eyeballs, and otherwise I'm not sure he put himself through the process. That's not to say you'll get the job, but I just yeah. get the feeling that Hur wouldn't put himself through this unless he was a, you know, a, certainly a, a 50-50 chance even. I can't. I, I, I don't think it's a good idea for Essendon to heap that pressure and scrutiny onto their side more than what they're under right now. I just think yeah, if James Hurd steps in as coach, I don't think he gets any grace period in terms of getting results with the team as a new coach coming in would. It's not to say he, he might do a good job when he comes in, and I do believe he deserves a second chance, but uh, coming back through the system for a little bit longer and building back up to it is probably... Um, probably a, a better way to go about it for James Hurd, but he clearly loves Essendon. He wants that redemption story, and he wants to try to, to get back and, and prove things wrong from what happened last time around. Hey, by the way, just repeating Craig McRae, the coach of the year, according to the Coaches Association, Collingwood did such a great job. You comfortable with that decision, even though he's not going to be the premiership coach? Uh, not, not 100%. He's had a great season, but I, I think that one should be judged after the grand final, shouldn't it? So we know what happens this week. I think, I think Chris Scott's done a, a very good job with his team mm. this year. The way that they've refreshed, the way they've gone about it. I know he's had a strong team, but, um, the way they've refreshed the way Geelong has played and, and changed things up compared to what was not working last season. If he wins the, the flag this year, I think that's a pretty remarkable effort and he'd be very unlucky not to win that award. And John Longmire's an, an excellent coach too. would be certainly worthy of it. So all three of them are, but maybe just wait till after the grand final to judge it. Yep, that's a possibility, but Craig McRae is the Coach of the Year in 2022, according to the Coaches Association. Just repeating our early news, Luke Jackson has returned to Perth. He still hasn't declared his hand whether he wants to join the Fremantle Dockers or the West Coast Eagles. He's told 10 News that he expects his management to take care of that, which uh, I suppose is essentially true, but you get the feeling the Dockers are uh, a very short price to get the services of Luke Jackson. Uh, after the break, we'll come back and give you an idea of what's coming up after 7 o'clock. Plenty of your um, feedback also welcome. It is Sports Day. Mark Reddings, Adam Papalier, just before 7 o'clock news. 
Sports Day for Kia. The all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. It's been a busy first hour of the show. After 7 o'clock, we're going to talk cricket with Shelley Nitschke, who is the new Australian women's cricket coach on a full-time basis. Bear in mind, she's also the Perth Scorchers WBBL coach for one more season. Our waffle update features Ashley Prescott, the Claremont Tigers coach. They take on East Fremantle in a prelim final this Sunday at New Choice Homes Park. Kyle Zunick from the Perth Wildcats as the NBL Blitz continues up there in Darwin. Trent Cooper... Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach and Clive Adams from Green to Green. All the latest from the wonderful world of bowls. But up next, it's the 7 o'clock news. We're here for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to the second hour of Sports Day on this Tuesday night and thanks to Repco Authorised Service. For expert car service, book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. It's a big day for Shelley Nitschke, new Australian women's team coach. Of course, she's currently in charge of the Perth Scorchers in the WBBL, but she's got the contract signed, sealed and delivered to be the head coach for the Australian women's cricket team. Shelley, good evening and congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an exciting day, actually, so... Um yeah, pretty pretty happy. What about the process that you had to go through to win the job on a full-time basis, given you have been interim coach for some time? Yeah, so that was a process that was explained to me sort of when I, I took the interim role right from the start. So um, sort of through the, the Commonwealth Games and just after I knew that the position had been advertised a, a bit broader um, and upon returning um, went through a an interview process, which obviously in, in the end I, I was successful. So that was sort of laid out from the start um, and was able to, to get through that process successfully. Uh, it's a, a great appointment for you. You've obviously been a, about the Australian setup for a while, not just as um, the uh, standing coach for the last little while, but as an assistant for a long time. Um, but what, what does it mean to you, though, to, to now take the reins as the, the coach of Australia? Yeah, I think it's, it's first and foremost, it's just a, it's a massive honour, I think, and really grateful to be given the opportunity to to lead such an amazing team. Um, like I said, I've been around the, the environment for a little while now, so to be able to have the opportunity to step up into the head coach role is, is something that I certainly don't take for granted and um, just looking forward to, to being able to, to lead the team through this next phase of, of what's hopefully an, another successful period for us. What do you think makes a good cricket coach? Um, I think, uh, good question. I think that's a good question. That's what I do think. Um, <laughs> look, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a range of things and it's sort of also determining where the team is at, you know, and where certain players are at and what they need. Um, you know, there's certain players I think that uh, are at a stage in their career where they know their game really well. They know exactly what they need. They know exactly what they're doing wrong and what, they're doing right and what they they need to be doing. So they kind of just, I guess, just need a bit of guidance and, and to be challenged um, every now and then. But then I, I think you'll have some other younger players coming to the group that potentially aren't as, I guess, aware of their game and, and what's required. So I think, um, you know, a, a good coach is able to recognise um, what, what the players need and, and also create a culture that, that drives everyone towards the same goal. 
The Australian team's had a, a lot of success and there's some um, big fixtures coming up as well. Of course, I think everyone's looking forward to the T20 World Cup in February and uh, the Ashes next winter. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, um, you know, we've got a, a couple of series um, before the, the T20 World Cup, which is going to be really important for us to, um, I, I guess, get our, get our team right and, and get our game plan right leading into that World Cup. So, so that's an important one for us, obviously, to defend our at T20 World Cup and, and like I said, the Ashes next winter is always um, a, a big thing on our calendar and everyone really looks forward to that and going over there to play England. Um, it's always a good challenge and obviously it involves a test match which um, which everyone always gets excited about. Speaking with Shelley Nitschke, the new Australian women's cricket coach on a full-time basis, a four-year deal, Shell, so that's great security. On a selfish perspective from WA's point of view, uh, Perth Scorchers and the WBBL, we've got you for one more season, is that right? That's right, yeah. I guess I was pretty pretty grateful that Cricket Australia have um, you know, let me sort of see out this season with the Scorchers, obviously being so close to the start of the WBBL Um I'm grateful that I'm able to to spend this year there, but unfortunately, um, yeah, moving on from that, um, this will unfortunately be my my last year. But still looking forward to getting over there very soon, actually, and um, getting stuck into the WBBL and having some success with the Scorchers. And when it comes to what's on the radar, plenty of uh, high level competition, but you'll do it without Rachel Haynes at 35 years of age. She's bowing out after a really good career. Yeah, she is, and you know, obviously disappointing for us from a, a selfish point of view because Rachel's such a massive part of our team, um, both on and off the field. Like I think, we'll see how many times she she goes out there in tough situations for us and gets the job done. And I think she's got better and better with age. But um, you know, it's off the field and, and the leadership things that she does around the group um, that'll be also um, missed by us and, and she leaves some, some big shoes to fill but also an opportunity for others to sort of step in and, and take the reins and some of the things that Rach does. So, yeah, really happy for her that she was able to, I guess, go out on her terms and I, and I know she's she's comfortable with her decision. So, um, yeah, she's, she's out in that and I'm just really happy for where she's at now. One more sort of general one from me, Shelley. Obviously, um, we're looking forward to the T20 World Cup, as we said, and, and the Ashes. From a, the players' point of view and, and you as coach, in terms of fixturing and, and what type of cricket and, and where you're playing the cricket going forward, what, what what do the players want? What do you want? Do you want to see more test cricket in the schedule? Do you think that is a, a possibility? Yeah, look, I, I think it is a possibility. The players do want it. I, I think it's, um, it's not always... Um, you know, a feasible option. I think it also needs to depend on the um, the country that we're playing and whether they want to actually play a, a test as well, which is not always always the case. They need to be in a in a position to be able to, um, I guess, support that and, and want to play that as well. And, and as other some nations start to develop, they'll start to get to that position. So, so there's always, you know, it's not just about us and what we want, but I think that's sort of coming into the conversation more of whether there's going to be a test match when we have a bilateral series against someone that we're getting more and more multi-format series where we'll play some T20s, some ODIs and, and potentially a test match. So that discussion now is starting to, to take place as a, as a matter of course and I think we'll, we'll start to see more tests come into the game. Um, the players love them. I think from a coaching point of view, you know, if we can, if it's possible to play them, it's great for their development as well. Um, just adding a, an extra, I guess, string to that bow and, and sort of um, 
broadening their, their skill set as well. Hey, Shell, as a former all-rounder, 122 caps for your country, so your on-field record speaks for itself. But as a coach, you've been in the system a, a fair while now. Is there any way of comparing the two and the fulfilment you get as a player as opposed to a coach? Uh, it's Yeah, it's a good question. I actually still think it's really quite different. I think um, you know, I got asked not long ago, um, you know, what's better? Would you rather play or, or would you rather coach? And, and my answer was, I don't think you can beat playing. Um, and to be honest, I still stand by that. But I, I feel like um, as a coach, it's you know, as a player, you're just happy you, you won and or whatever it might be. But I, I think as a, as a coach, it's it's more you're just really proud of of the players and and everyone involved. So it's kind of a, a different feeling, and, and they're both very unique in their own right. So um, I don't think um, you can top being a player, but uh, being a coach is. Yeah, it's it's just really nice and pleasing to see people succeed um, in your program. Shelley, as we let you go, can't let you go without asking you for a lead on the season ahead for the Perth Scorchers and how we're tracking for a back-to-back tilt. <laughs> well, we're going to do our best, but, um, yeah, I think we're shaping up nicely. You know, we've got... Um, Marazan Cat, Beth Mooney and Sophie Devine all, all returning. Um, so they're obviously pretty important players for us. But, um, yeah, I think our, our list is actually pretty stable this year from, from last year, give or take a, a, a bit of movement, which I, I think is a good thing. Um, and the girls, are lot, we've got a lot of, a lot of um, Perth-based girls who would have been training together all winter. Um, so I think we've got a, a good mix now of, um, you know, some some local talent and, and those girls that that are coming into the team, but they've been coming in for, for a couple of years now, so it gives us just a, a bit of stability there as well and, and everyone sort of knows knows each other, knows their role and, and is sort of familiar with the environment, so I'm hoping that we can sort of hit the ground running come mid-October. Shelley, thanks for your time. Congratulations on the appointment and we'll speak to you soon on Sports Day. No problem. Thanks for having me. There it is. Shelley Nitschke appointed as the new Australian women's team coach in cricket. Of course, interim coach for the last few months after Matthew Mott's departure. Great to see her getting the top job. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Up next, we're talking waffle. Claremont coach Ashley Prescott joins us here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Great to have your company on Sports Day as we roll into a waffle update for Kia Nero, available as a hybrid or full electric model. And Claremont is through to a preliminary final. Ashley Prescott is the coach. He joins us for a chat now. And uh, first of all, Ash, nice to be talking to you before a prelim final because after the uh, qualifying final, well, I thought we might, might have gone out in straight sets, but you're in to take on uh, the might of East Fremantle this Sunday afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me, lads. Um, yeah, it was good to respond. It was obviously disappointing after the first one we played, but you know, to the boys' credit, we we rolled up rolled up the sleeves and got to work and, and ended up having a good victory. It was completely in contrast to what you dished up at New Choice Homes Park. I'm guessing that was a theme leading into that game against Peel Thunder. But your tackling pressure early was good. Uh, you had some kicking efficiency problems at various stages, but the effort and the work rate seemed up. Yeah, it was, and and yeah, I mean everything everything stems off effort, effort and work rate, like you said, and 
And then eventually I think our game plan sort of got going off, off the back of that and, and we were able to keep the ball in our forward half and, and create repeat entries, you know, which was nice for the forwards. And, and, you know, eventually we sort of got on top of Peel Thunder. A pretty comfortable win in the end, which is uh, always good for the heart rate in a final. But it, it, going into the game, it's always a bit of a concern. You know, when you're coming up against a, a team that's got a fair few Fremantle-listed players in it, you never quite know what they're mm. going to put up. No, you're dead right. I, don't, I, mean, I think most of them that were playing had been represented pure for most of the season. I think, you know, 18 games, 17 games, etc. So they were, they were really firmly entrenched. So... You know, we knew they'd be playing with passion and with pride. And, you know, for some of them, I suppose, at that AFL level, they're, they're trying to put on a show too um, for the upcoming season. So, yeah, they had some, some really quality players. So we knew we needed to be at our best. And, um, you know, to the boys' credit, we, we sort of, you know, nullified most of their influence and, and through weight of numbers, you know, ended up having a good game. You had the chance to get that double chance in the finals, which you weren't, and you take on the Sharks this week. You found it a little bit tough against them over the last few weeks anyway. How do you go about things differently heading into this one? I think first and foremost, it's, it's got to come from the contest. Um, you know, the, the previous two encounters we've had, they've, they've dominated the kicks and, and dominated uncontested possession, as well as contested possession too. So they've, they've sort of really really touched us up in those areas. So, uh, look, it's, it's rolling up the sleeves. It's making sure we run hard. We play to our strengths. We can't get too reactive. Um, we've just got to try and put our best foot forward, and, and hopefully that's good enough and, and keeps us in the game for longer. Yeah, small forward certainly did the job on the weekend. Uh, manual five, small with three, Spivey kicked three, and England bobbed up with two. Yeah, it was pleasing. It was, it was a good contribution. And, and when we've been at our best, we've actually had a good spread of, of goal kickers. We haven't haven't really got a beacon down there that's, that's grabbed hold of games. I think the, the highest goal scorer this year was, was Alex on the weekend with five. So, you know, sharing the load and spreading the ball up forward is really important for us. Um, you know, and I think that can help us. It, it gives us some different looks going forward. Um, yeah, so it was nice for them to, to get a lick of the ice cream this week. Who plotted the move of Tim House into defence? Oh, a bit of a match committee one, actually, for, for Tim and, and, and Tim himself um, also. We, we sort of knew, knew all year that Tim had the ability to, to go down and play key position back um, as well as playing forward. But the injury to Stephen Miller, which was really unfortunate um, in the previous game against East Fremantle, you know, sort of just have to make some changes. And, you know, and to Tim's credit, he doesn't train with us. He, he's down on the farm. But, you know, speaking to him during the week, he, he certainly reached out and he said, look, if, if you need me to do that, I'd, I'd love to help out the defence and, and contribute. Um, you know, and he did on the weekend, which was fantastic. And your midfield, again, look, Jai Bolton with 33. And Bailey Rogers, who pushed forward, kicked, I thought, the goal of the year almost uh, late in the match. Amazing, wasn't it? 28 disposals. Uh, you feel comfortable with the spread you've got against initially East Romano and then hopefully West Perth? Yeah, well, potentially. And uh, there's some unheralded guys. Jai played more across half-back mm. and gave us great drive. And, and Bailey did a bit of a mix of inside, mid and forward. But folks like Ronan O'Connor, Jared Hardesty, Ollie Sheldrick, Ben Elliott, um, you know, those sort of guys. Um, Ollie Eastland in the ruck, you know, they really shared the load and and just played really good, hard-working two-way football, um, which is what we want from a, from our midfield group. Um, yeah, so that mix, you know, really got to work. And again, there, there's some up-and-comers there and it's a pretty young group, but it's pretty exciting, not only for the next couple of weeks, hopefully, 
um, but for the future too. You mentioned Ollie Eastland. Was he set for the task of Lloyd Meek? Did you sort of get him nice and churning about the prospect of taking down a big gun? Well, it's a pretty big task, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's, I was out in the warm-up and he's a man mountain and a very impressive athlete too. And, and the form he's been in has been absolutely super. Um, yeah, but Ollie, Ollie really relishes the challenge and he's actually played on him a couple of times and, and competed really well. So, yeah, he's a, he's a great competitor, Ollie, and he, um, you know, he's, He's a very talented young ruckman who I think's got a really big future ahead of him, um, both in the waffle and even potentially at the next level. So, um, yeah, I think he really set himself. And, and those sort of competitive blokes, um, you know, you don't need to say much to them. You know, that they know it's a challenge, and they knew that. He knew that um, you know that battle was going to be a, a, a pivotal one to you know the outcome of the game. Any selection quandaries for you this week, coach? Always, always, yes. Um, well, Benny Edwards was a late withdrawal with, with illness, and he's been a, a great midfielder all year for us. Um, young Talon DeLacy, who's a first-year player out of the Colts, came up and performed a magnificent role for the team. Um, you know, so it, that, that'll be a challenging one. Ben will have to just prove his fitness um, during the week, and, and we'll just have to... Uh, Make the right call, and it could be a hard call, but we'll just wait and see how the week pans out. Without trying to unveil your match plan or your game style, uh, in that first qualifying final, it was very much almost a kick-hand-pass matching ratio. It was a lot of possession of the footy, uh, which appeared to frustrate a few of the players, and even sitting on the sidelines, you could see the Claremont supporters getting frustrated, which I'm sure translated to the coach. Yeah, I was very angry, actually, at... at quarter time and, and quite frustrated because we identified it and, and I'm not I'm not certainly blaming the players, we're all in it together. But yeah, it was really clearly evident that um, you know, we were over possessing the ball. So, you know, we've had a had a real theme all year, um, you know, and certainly in the last 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 game to when we're shoulders out, make sure we drive our legs and we look a little bit longer rather than shorter and get a little bit more t- and and that equated to having more inside 50s um, on the weekend and giving those forwards a little bit more of an opportunity. So, um, yeah, again, we've just got to mature and make sure we don't overpossess and, and, and take the take the grass when we when we can. It's been such an even season, Ash, and you've always been very generous with your time. Uh, we appreciate you having a chat with us tonight. Best of luck against the Sharks on Sunday. Thanks very much, lads, and thanks for your support of Waffle Footy. There it is, Ash Prescott, Claremont coach, Of course, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. Sports Day for Kia. The all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. Great to have your company on Sports Day, Tuesday night edition. Mark Reddings alongside Adam Papalia. Now for Elders Insurance, from local football to community events, it's our way of giving back time to talk basketball. And Cole Zunick from the Perth Wildcats is now part of the leadership group. He's up in Darwin preparing for the next match of the NBL Blitz. He joins us for a chat. Cole, thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look, it's been a really good start under a new coach, a new look team, uh, two from two in the Blitz. The squad looks like they're gelling pretty well early doors. Yeah, absolutely. It's been awesome to come up here and get some different competition and see how we go against uh, other teams in the league. And, um, yeah, we've had a great start, you know. Um, guys have been stepping up and 
yeah, as you said, the team's gelling well. So it's good to have a bit of time off the court as well together. Um, just get to know each other. So uh, that's all been positive on uh, up here. A bit of warm weather's got to help too, doesn't it? Just to get out of the cold of Perth and up to sunny Darwin. Yeah, it was nice for a bit of a change. It's uh, pretty hot up here though. So, <laughs> um, But no, nah, yeah, it's been good to have a bit of a change. Brilliant. Um, the uh, the practice matches obviously starting through the blitz um, for yourself. Obviously, with Mitch Norton unavailable, you able to step up with a, a little bit of extra time and and dropping the fifteen points as well. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, it was unfortunate to see Mitch go down with that slip, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the mentality all year for anyone um, in this team. Whenever someone's out, because you know that's a part of basketball. You know, it's next man up mentality and um, you know that was just my role yesterday and uh, I was able to contribute to the team and um, yeah I think anyone on the team would do that and um, yeah it was uh, it was good to see the ball go through the hoop and play pretty well but um, yeah it'll be good when uh, Norto gets back to get our, get our team to full health. Obviously, some of the guys in the team are, uh, you know, just trying to warm up for the season. Others are trying to really stake their claim for some more playing time when the the season actually gets underway and and really fill those roles within the team. Um, Is it a a delicate balance or an interesting balance when you're sort of all getting used to each other, especially under a new coach? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, whenever you play, you want to prove yourself. But um, those are the conversations that you have um, as as it comes up to the season because... Uh, everyone needs to know their role and what their role is so that you can do that to the best of your ability. And that's what always makes a great team. Uh, when guys commit to their role and commit to the team, um, I think that's when teams become great rather than just being talented. Um, and I think that's what we've got this year. We've got a group of guys that really want to commit to their role and want to um, play for the team in order to get to our ultimate goal, which is obviously a championship. So, um, I think that's that's what this blitz is for, is to find what your role is and um, what you can do to help the team win. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing that each and every game. We're just getting better and better as, as time goes on. Corey Webster's been so often the villain uh, when it comes to playing at Perth Arena, but uh, he'll certainly be a fan favourite if he can score like he did uh, against South East Melbourne. He dropped 16 and looked pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. He's... Uh, He's an international scorer. That's what we call him. He uh, he just knows how to put the ball through the hoop, and um, it's going to be very handy to have him. And yeah, I'm sure that the Red Army is going to get behind him now. Oh, they definitely will. And, and I mean, you're getting a first up look at the scoring ability of the side. How dangerous does it look? I mean, when you've got Bryce Cotton there, and when you've got Corey Webster. Oh, it's unbelievably dangerous. You know, those two are, you know crazy good scorers and and then and then you've got guys like Tayshawn and Brady and all these other weapons around those two guys and it's just uh it's pretty cool because um you know obviously in the four games we've played already we've scored a lot of points and um I think that's not going to be as much of a focus for us and you know because that end's going to take care of itself because we have so many good players and we're a very unselfish team as well um so that end's going to take care of itself. If we can just focus on our defensive end and rebounding, I think that's going to put us in a, the best position to win every single game. So um, as long as we can just continue to grow on that on that end of the floor, um, I think we'll be a great team. 
Can you tell us a bit more about Brady Manick? Uh, he, I was reading he missed 13 three-pointers in a row across a practice game and then the opening match of the Blitz. He finally drained a couple uh, in the game yesterday. But uh, he, he's a different type of beast. What sort of a person is he? Yeah, he's awesome. He's uh, he's a good team guy. He, um, you know, he's fun to be around, and uh, it's good to get to know him a little bit more. Um, yeah, obviously, as you said, like, whatever he shot with all that, um, not too worried about that because he's proven he's a very good shooter. So um, on the court, I think he'll be all right. But, yeah, off the court, he's great, great value for the team, and uh, I think he'll be good all year. How are you enjoying your role? New to the leadership group this season, Jesse Wagstaff, captain again, but... Have you found that a, an enjoyable experience, albeit early days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was a surprise, but um, I've always, uh, you know, wanted to be a leader, and I've always been a leader throughout my career. And it's just kind of who I am. I'm I'm a loud person on the court and bring the energy, and that's that's kind of what my role is for this team. And so, you know, if I can come into the leadership group and add any value to that. Um, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but yeah, I just, I really take pride in that, that side of the game because it's a very important side. And then uh, for me to come into that leadership group and learn off guys like Wags and Nordo and Bryce, it's just, uh, it's going to be great for me this year and just continue to develop my leadership skills as I go on. Did I see Jesse might have a little hamstring niggle at the moment? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's getting back. He's just slowly, slowly, but surely getting back. He'll, he'll be okay. And you've got Melbourne United tomorrow, 6pm Western Standard tip-off. Uh, in brief, Kyle, it is just the pre-season, but obviously you prefer to be winning than not. And, and obviously from uh, your perspective with a new coach, just getting that, that style of play bedded in before you uh, start the season running. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we talk about it a lot. Every time you step out on the floor, you, you're competing to win, uh, no matter what game it is, pre-season or not. Um, you're trying to win that game. But, uh, yeah, as you said, we're just trying to get used to the new coaching style and, you know, what, what he wants. And um, I think we're doing that each and every game. And all, all you all you can really hope for is that every game you're getting a little bit better. And, yeah, we're doing that. So if we can go into tomorrow night just focusing on areas that we need to improve, um, I think we'll be good. And, uh, yeah, we'll put ourselves in a position to win tomorrow. Last one before we let you go, the coach... Have you found his demeanour, his style? Um, has it worked well with the team thus far? Yeah, I love how JR coaches. Um, very passionate, very uh, enthusiastic, and I love that in a coach. And um, I think it, I think it goes into all the guys on the team. It brings that energy. He brings that passion, and um, it lights a fire in you when you come into practice and you see that um, each and every day. And then. Um, as we got out on the court, you can see his passion um, is really amazing when he's coaching from the sideline. So, um, you know, it, it, it definitely gains a lot of respect from the players. And um, I think it's just going to continue to grow as we get to know him a, a little bit more as the season goes on. Kyle, great to spend some time with you tonight. Appreciate your time. Best of luck in the Blitz tomorrow night against Melbourne United. No worries. Thank you very much. There it is, Cole Zunick from the Perth Wildcats, part of their leadership group for Elders Insurance, hands-on support for our local community. Up next, we're talking AFLW with Fremantle coach Trent Cooper. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot.
Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company. Let's talk AFLW with Trent Cooper, the Fremantle Dockers coach. He joins us on the line after what could only be described as a frustrating and nearly day down there in Fremantle at the weekend. Trent, thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, no worries at all, boys. Yeah, it was, the result was frustrating, but uh, a lot of positive signs in the way we went about it and the way we played the, the big periods of that game. Yeah, you dominated, certainly scoreboard-wise and positionally, but Carlton did well to, to drag it back to a draw. They did. They played, they played really good footy in the second half and made the most of their opportunities. Um, they yeah, put a spare behind the ball and then used that player quite well, so full credit to the way they went about it in that second half. Was there anything you sort of said to the playing group afterwards about controlling that last period of the game, I guess, as, as Carlton were coming at you? And then even when you're trying to just get that point after it was a draw to, to try and go ahead? Yeah, we definitely reviewed it on Monday, that that period sort of from the in the third quarter through to halfway through the last quarter where they gave us a spare. And what we didn't do is use that and control the ball for a while. We kept going at the game and giving the ball back to them. So we definitely focused uh, a fair bit of uh, our review on that. And then, yeah, there's always a little bit you can do better in the last three minutes, but it's, it's pretty hectic. There were a lot of numbers down there and uh, we just couldn't quite uh, get that result. Get it to, to rush it through, just get that point to go ahead. It's um, You get the draw, still searching for that first win of the season. How, how are you feeling and how's the group going? It's a pretty different feel, I guess, to previous seasons where you guys have been used to getting off to a pretty good start. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a new challenge. So I, I'm enjoying the challenge of it and in, in getting the group back to playing their best footy. And the, the players themselves have been fantastic. So after the, the July, we had obviously the first two games of the year were, were poor. And that, you know, there's a few probably mitigating factors that, that left us where we were. But the group have been fantastic in, in trying to improve. So after that Geelong game, when we hit rock bottom, we said, OK, well, we need to work on a few, a few things. Not everything. We can't fix everything at once. And We've been trying them at training, and the players have absolutely been buying in and and, uh, and attempting to do those in the game. So we did that reasonably well against the Bulldogs and just missed out there against a team who's probably likely to finish top four, the Western Bulldogs now. And uh, then on the weekend against Carlton, where, again, we, we implemented a few of the things we've been trying, which is pleasing. Um, so that part of it, to see the growth and the improvement um, you know, from a coach is really uh, rewarding, but uh, yeah, you want the players rewarded with the four points and, and just that that winning feeling that you you can't replace. Well, there's no more motivation than a, a derby, of course, and playing at Optus Stadium too. It's a great result that the game's been moved a bit earlier with a, a one o'clock kickoff rather than uh, later in the evening. Now that we've got the public holiday, so hopefully lots of people can get along. Uh, the motivation to get the win, of course, will be there, but also to keep that dominance that Fremantle have had over West Coast since uh, since these derbies have begun. Yeah, there's no denying there's a rivalry there. The girls. We've all grown up playing with or against each other in the Waffle W and different things. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a rivalry there. And, um, yeah, obviously we've been on the right side of the ledger so far. And, yeah, there's definitely a determination to, yeah, to, to maintain that record and uh, improve it by one. Their improvement is pretty obvious. They've won a couple. Yeah, they have, yeah. They've got some good young talent on that side now. And, um, uh, yeah, some, some good athletic ability as well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're you know, definitely on the improve. So, yeah, we know that we're up for a tough game. It's probably their, uh, their best ever win last week. Um, so we have to yeah, be right on our toes and, and playing to our potential to, 
to give them a good run for their money. Just going back to the draw, it was Carlton's second draw in a row, by the way. Just watching on the TV, so it's a lot easier. But the last 60 seconds, perhaps, there was a kick into the pocket. The players obviously aware of the time remaining and, and what's required, but I guess trying to navigate your way into a, a scoring position is the, the tricky part. Yeah, I think it was a uh, the one you're referring to was a shank. The player wasn't trying to kick it there. Um, no, definitely trying to go uh, a lot more corridor, but probably rushed it. And, and that's that the pressure of the moment. I think there might have been 47 seconds left of that time, and you only need to take just two extra steps to make sure that you know you keep the ball properly. But just that that rush of that the pressure that uh, that happens uh, in those big moments, and um, yeah, that's something that we'll learn from as well. Talk us through, just in brief, uh, who is likely to press for selection this week and have you copped any injuries out of the weekend? Uh, I mean, Matty Scanlon hurt her wrist on the weekend, so unfortunately it was the fourth player this year we've had ruled out before half-time. But, so she's battling time, being a five-day break to get up from that. But there's nothing uh, that the scans are uh, too bad, so that she's a chance. Uh, Roxy Rue... There's another one who'll be pressing for selection who missed um, missed last week, last two weeks, but she's a derby specialist, so uh, she'll come into calculations. You mentioned Roxy Rue and seen her, as you say, in a derby. And um, Where's she at with her development? We looks like she's got a, a heap of talent. Has she been injury-prone or more a case of just not taking that next step? A uh, combination of both. Um, she's struggled to put over the last two seasons a good training block together. Uh, she did that this pre-season and, um, yeah, sort of probably suffered a bit from our form, you know, being a forward with the ball not getting down there. Um, and, yeah, she was omitted a couple of weeks ago. She played really well in a in a scratch match involving ourselves, Port, Carlton and Western Bulldogs in Melbourne and was, yeah, right in contention last week and, um, yeah, will be very much so this week when we did our, our final selection tonight. Trent, always a pleasure. We're hoping that the Dockers can really kick back in season 2022, uh, albeit it's coming from back in the pack, but uh, the quality is there. Players hopefully coming back into the lineup, and best of luck in the Derby on Thursday afternoon. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to it. There it is, Trent Cooper, Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach. 110, the bounce down. It is, of course, a public holiday across the nation, so therefore a night match which has been moved forward to 110 in the afternoon. All part of grand final week. Of course, in the AFL and AFLW, uh, really getting its teeth into the season there. And the Dockers and the Eagles, two old foes, certainly in the men's. And now the women's, the rivalry is uh, progressing year by year. We're here for the Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at the Toolkit Depot. Stay with us. Plenty more to come here on Sports Day on this Tuesday night. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day as we jump into green to green for Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. We're talking bowls with WA Regional Bowls Manager Clive Adams. Clive, thanks for your company tonight. Great to be here. Always love talking bowls. Yeah, great to chat to you, Clive. Now that you had the first major event of the year uh, played on the weekend, the Mount Lawley Consistency Singles. Yeah, we were halfway through last week when you caught up with uh, with Johnny about it, and um, it all wrapped up on Sunday. And what a uh, what a massive event it was! Um, Daniel Truella winning. 
for the men's competition, defeating Shane Knott 153 to 147 in the final. Now, it is a different scoring system, so people that are familiar with bowls might think 153, you know, how long were they playing for? But it's a, a 4-3-2-1 scoring system on each end, so... Uh, a pretty close final there with uh, with Daniel Truella getting up. He's he's won it before, so that's uh, that's his second uh, Mount Lawley consistency singles title. And uh, in the women's competition, it was a familiar name of Therese Hastings that uh, took the win, 120 to 80 over Kathy Smith. Uh, Kathy from Mosman Park, Therese from the powerful Manning Club. She's a legend of WA bowls, and she didn't begin, but. There might be probably just one little story in there of a, a player by the name of Ruby Leggett, 18-year-old um, young young lady that made the semi-finals and beat some very, very good players along the way and eventually uh, came a cropper against Therese Hastings, but a fantastic performance by Ruby. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for Ruby and uh, congratulations to Daniel and Therese on their results on the weekend. Now, looking ahead, uh, BPL Cup this weekend. Yeah, it's a huge weekend for some of these teams. We've got, uh, we started with over 170 teams just in WA for a national event called the BPL Cup. Now, to, it aligns with our BPL, which we know um, we're, we're back to an all WA team. Can't wait for that in November. On the weekend on Sunday at South Perth, 12 teams will do battle. They're all club teams, so you have to have players all from, all from your own club that play in this one. We've got teams coming from uh, Albany, uh, Gamaling, plus a lot of Metro teams. They've done battle through a whole sort of qualifying structure and we're now down to the final 12. Three teams will get through from Sunday and earn their way to Pine Rivers in Queensland. They get flights and accommodation to go over there and play for the BPL Cup and at the same time mix it with the best players from all around the world that play in the Bowls Premier League. So it's a huge opportunity for these 12 teams and, um, you know, for some of them, it'll be the biggest stage they've ever played bowls on if they can find their way into those finals. So really exciting weekend coming up. Yeah, fantastic uh, event with plenty on the line there for the players this weekend in the BPL Cup. Uh, and the state team, they're finalising prep for the Nationals, which uh, start at the end of September. Oh, it's huge. This The, the Nationals, we've been trying to do this for uh, a few years. Um, bowls Australia... Uh, has combined a number of events. We've got the Australian Champion of Champions singles for men and women. We've got the under-18 boys and girls. We've got the multi-disability championships. We've got the over-60s men and women, the open men and women, plus the Australian championships over a huge fortnight of bowls that starts on the 30th of September, goes right through to the 14th of October, all over on the Gold Coast. We start with the Australian Champion of Champions singles, which is uh, Matt Mitchell, semi-finalist at Mount Lawley uh, just last weekend, and uh, Kathy Gobart, one of the stalwarts of, uh, of WA Bowls. They'll do battle in the Australian Champion of Champions, but it's going to be a massive fortnight and uh, spot on. The WA state teams are all getting ready to put their best foot forward wearing the black and gold. Clive, terrific to catch up with you tonight. Yep, thank you. There it is, Clive Adams, WA Regional Bowls Manager for Green to Green. Barra and O'Day don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Skate, before we wrap up, uh, just into a little bit of the other sporting news, of course, uh, some cricket action 
on tonight, the Aussie cricket team, they don't get much rest, do they? They're out and away again. Uh, they're playing over in India in uh, Mahali tonight. So uh, a three-match T20 series against India, which is going to be pretty crucial, you'd think, for a lot of the players trying to put their hands up for the, the T20 World Cup, which isn't too far away. So they've got a, a match tonight, a match on Friday, and then a match on Sunday as well. So uh, plenty of the Aussies will be wanting to put their best forward, forward in that series. No question about that. And, of course, lots of eyeballs still will be on Aaron Finch, who's retired from One Day Internationals, but he's intent on leading the team through the T20 campaign. Of course, the World Cup's not far away. We seem to forget that because we're caught up in finals fever, aren't we? We are. And the fact that the World Cup's kind of been squished together after, uh, obviously, it was played last year and the Aussies got the win, but it was uh, pushed back due to COVID. So it's sort of a couple of tournaments in pretty quick succession. Absolutely. Uh, other sporting news, the Perth Wildcats, as we heard earlier, they've been in really good form, two from two at the NBL Blitz. Well, heading into tomorrow night's game against Melbourne United, I've got some team news with Deshaun Thomas returning to the Wildcats lineup to take on United. Unfortunately, Jesse Wagstaff, the captain, is out with a hamstring. Mitch Norton has a groin and will not play in tomorrow night's game. But it's been a pretty impressive start, perhaps, for the uh, Wildcats under a new coach. Yeah, I'm excited to see the Wildcats can do um, John really was always such a great scorer when he was playing in the league and uh, hopefully, and, and it seems like already they're really bringing that attacking mentality to the Wildcats, so they're going to be an exciting team to watch this upcoming season. Yes, it has been a huge show. Thanks for your contribution Paps and to our listeners on 133882. Tomorrow night, Carl and I will be back in the chair from 6 o'clock. Up next it's Russell Collette and the Night Shift and of course the 8 o'clock news comes before that. Thanks for your company. We'll see you tomorrow night 882 6pr from 6 o'clock. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.